The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region around, along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee of the, from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not pre presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham even now. The axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he'll clear the threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. How are you? Did anybody help decorate the tree today? You're going to? Oh, so who decorated the tree here? Awesome. Who decorated their tree at home already? Who's going to do that later? All right, all right. Oh, you started on it? Yeah. So it's a multi-day project? All right, I like it. I like that. Little tree? Nice. So it's proportional. That's pretty cool. How big was your tree? Oh, well, a little bit taller than I am. So, not that tall, all things considered. Not this tall. Can everybody see the tree from where you're sitting? No? If you need to, move this way so that you can see the tree, okay? Can everybody see the tree? No, just parts of it. Now, these are these the same decorations that you guys use on your tree? No, there, there are different types of decorations. Does anybody... Now, I was telling you guys about this earlier, so some of you might know the answer. Does anybody know what these special decorations are called? Yes. You got the first part, Christ. Yeah? Christmons. That's right. Christmons. That 
is a weird word that originally meant Christ or Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T, Christ, and mon, or short for monogram, which is a symbol concerning Jesus. Or that's what we're saying right now. So these, all of these, are meant to tell us something about Jesus. Now, Miss Audrey, do you guys know Miss Audrey Ridinger? Yeah, she helps teach Sunday school. She's got a bunch of these books, and they tell us how to make these. We can make these if we wanted to. Maybe we should do that sometime. We'll do that later. They tell us how to make these, and they tell us what each symbol means. Did you know each of these mean- symbols have a meaning? Let's pick out a couple. All right, now, from your seat, point to one. Uh, let's see. Michael, you're pointing clearly. Which one are you pointing at? The omega symbol. The omega symbol. That right here. How many of you thought that was a horseshoe? Okay. That is actually a Greek letter. A Greek letter. Now, why would we have a Greek letter on our Christmas tree? Yeah. There's not really a good reason to say The omega, you know how the alphabet uh, begins with the letter A and ends with the letter Z? Well, in the Greek alphabet, it begins with the letter alpha and ends with the letter omega. So A, Z, alpha, omega. It's the Greek letter A and the Greek letter long O sound. It's not really helpful. I want you to remember, I want you to remember that beginning and end. Beginning and end. Jesus, there at the very beginning. Jesus, there at the very end. So we have an omega to, let, to remind us that Jesus is going to be there all the way till the end. That's why it's there. All right. Can someone else point out one? Amanda. What what you pointing at? This one? Oh, the communion cup right here. Nice. Why would we have a communion cup on our tree? Amanda. Yeah, the Last Supper. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was born and we celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas. Why do we have a communion cup? That doesn't come to way later. Yeah. Something. Yeah, communion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll do that later. But... The communion cup is there because we always remember. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas. It doesn't matter if it's Easter. It doesn't matter if it's Lent. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is or what day it is. Jesus always, 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 always is for us. Jesus always, always, always loves us. And we see that in the communion cup. Every time we take communion, that's God saying, I love you. Directly to you. Are there a lot more decorations on the tree? Yeah. I want you, if you ever get bored during the service, I want you to look at the tree. I want you to try to figure out what they mean. Why each one of those would mean something about Jesus. If you get stuck, you can ask your parents. If they get stuck, you can ask me. <laughs> or you can ask Miss Audrey, who also knows a lot about these two. She is. That, oh, that one. Yeah, there's two. Miss <laughs> Audrey Ridinger. Miss Audrey Ridinger. 
I say that that's a lot to think about and we should pray. Does that sound good? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for a really pretty sanctuary. We give you thanks for the opportunity to decorate it together today. We give you thanks for the way that each one of those symbols on the tree reminds us about you. And we give you thanks for being near to us. As we go throughout Advent, as we go all the way up until Christmas, we ask that you would be with us. Continue to teach us about you, about who you are, and help us to draw near to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Oh, yeah. There's these again. Nope, just one. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. We've had a lot of disjointed things today. We've had a lot of activity, a lot of excitement. The service began in a weird way. So I want everybody to take one big deep breath in together and let it out. And again, and let it out. And one more. Let it out. The Son of Man comes bringing two things. An embodied sense of who God is with a calling to match. An embodied sense of who God is with a calling to us to match. And a mirror. The Son of Man brings two things. An embodied sense of who God is and a calling to match. And a mirror. Advent is a time of recognizing these two things. A time of preparation, a time of hope, a time of longing, a time of want, and a time of ache. The colors that we use for Advent now are blue, but they haven't always been blue. At one point, Advent was purple, just like Lent. Purple in the church means we're preparing. It means we're waiting. It means we're making ready. Blue is kind of like we're preparing, but it's fun. (laughs) Advent, no matter what color we use, is a time of preparation, a time of longing, a time of want. So it begs we must beg and ask the question, what are we preparing for? What are we longing for? What do we want? Last week, we tried to do something with the clock. I'm the one that designed that. (laughs) So, if it didn't work, if there wasn't any clock ticking, or if there wasn't anything ringing, that's my fault. But in that clock, we hear a sense of 
waiting. You wait for the alarm to go off. You wait for time to pass. You just wait for it to stop. I need a metronome. I'm not as even as I used to be. Today, the leaders of the service were tardy by about five minutes. And all of a sudden, things just began. And waiting for the Son of Man, in the text that we had last week and the text that we had this week, we wait and we wait and we wait, and then boom, we're off to the races. And it's jarring. It's not what we do every week. It's not what we're used to. It's not how things are supposed to be. But Advent is not about keeping things the way that they're supposed to be. Advent is about longing for something that's not there. And Advent is about the change. Advent is about how things are not any longer how they used to be. Advent is about groaning for something that we don't see, but we know should be. Whether that's justice, whether that's food for the hungry, whether that's care for the lonely, whether that's speaking truth to power, or whether that is simply aligning ourselves with God once again. The Son of Man comes bringing an embodied sense of who God is and the calling to match in a mirror. Take today's text, for example. There's a calling, right? John the Baptist is, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness calling to the people of Judea and Jerusalem and the surrounding regions of the Jordan saying, repent. And people come to him and they're being baptized by him and being taught by him. See, baptism at that time, and now, frankly, but at that time was not simply, I'm going to get into a line and walk to the river and be dunked by John the Baptist. Rather, it was a whole process of teaching, of repentance, of acting different, of study, of discipleship. John had disciples. People studied underneath him. This was an active whole life involvement. And so when John saw Pharisees and Sadducees coming into that line and saying, oh yeah, we should be baptized too, he was furious. Because Pharisees and Sadducees are a lot like, oh, I don't know, Lutheran pastors. They're really hard to change their beliefs. They're just super hard. Because no matter what, they think that they'd studied enough to be right. So when they're in line and they're going towards John the Baptist, he knows that, you know what, the chances of you actually changing are slim. And so he calls them out. He calls them out in a sense of immediacy. This isn't something that you should get to eventually. If there is a fire going and an axe is at the root of the tree and the winnowing fork is already in hand, is this going to happen later, or is this going to happen now? Now. A call to repentance 
a call to align yourself with the work of God's kingdom come and God's will be done in this place and in all places is happening now. The Son of Man comes with two things, an embodied sense of who God is and a call to match and a mirror. I think most of us generally understand a calling to be like Christ. We might not know exactly what it looks like, but we understand some kind of push, some kind of move towards it. I just think there's a sense of delay. A sense of one day. How many of you use a mirror to get dressed in the morning? How many of you don't? I begrudgingly use one. How many of you don't know? <laughs> that could be two. It's just too dark to see. I, there could be one there. I begrudgingly use one when I need to, but I don't like using it because it reflects things that I'd rather not focus on at the time. It reflects back to me everything. It reflects back to me the sense that I should probably run more often and get some more exercise. It reflects back to me that I have a recessive hairline gene that I'm not going to outrun no matter how fast I go. <laughs> it reflects back to me that I'm not getting my chores done very often because the mirror is dusty. It reflects back a lot of things. And it does not lie. Unless you live in one of those like fun houses where all the mirrors are different shapes, it doesn't lie. When we stand in front of this text, when we stand in front of the Son of Man, when we stand in front of this calling and a sense of immediacy, that a calling to repentance is not one day, someday, but right now, and with consequence, we stand in front of a mirror. We stand side by side with the Son of Man in front of a mirror. There's a reason that Matthew calls Jesus, calls the Christ, Son of Man, and not Son of God. Matthew wants this comparison to be possible. Matthew wants this comparison to happen. Among many other reasons for Matthew to do this, and we'll go through them over the course of this next lectionary year, we're in Matthew. Among many reasons to do this is the one that helps us compare ourselves to Christ. If you call Christ the Son of God, you couldn't possibly be like Him. For you are not God. But if you call Christ the Son of Man, He is your brother. And very easily you can compare apples to apples. Kind of. We stand next to Christ, next to an embodied sense of who God is with a calling to match in front of the mirror, and we look at ourselves as we are. 
And I don't know about you, but I like that mirror even less. I'd much rather focus on how much I'm not running in a recessive hairline. I want to take 30 seconds. I want to take 30 seconds to think of how we are standing next to God. Compare yourself to Christ. There will be more after this. But take an honest assessment of who you are standing next to Christ, the Son of Man, your brother. Ready? Go. as you come back. As you come back, I want you to understand that Advent is not immediate. In fact, Advent should be the longest season of the year if we were to take it seriously. It's a sense of longing and a sense of preparation and a sense of Christ coming ever closer. I mean, that's the mystery of our faith, right? Christ is dying, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Christ here, present in the meal and the waters. But Christ ever coming closer to that understanding of who we might be in Christ's midst. I want to take another 30 seconds to imagine that if you were to try to be like Christ, if you were to try to be like the Son of Man, if you were to answer the call of repentance and discipleship, how would you change? I'm going to grant you that it's hard. I'm going to grant you that it's not easy. I'm going to grant you all of that. But if you were to try and answer the call of becoming like Christ, how would you change? What would be different? Ready? Go.
as you come back. Over the course of this Advent season, I invite you to stand in front of this mirror often and to always remember that the time to become, the time to push, even in its futility, the time to push to become like Christ by the grace of God is not tomorrow. It is now. The axe is lying at the foot of the tree. The winnowing fork is in his hand. The fire is lit and going. There is grace. But there is urgency. Over the course of Advent, stand in front of this mirror, knowing that both exist. And that the Son of Man comes with two things. An embodied sense of who God is and the calling to match and a mirror. God be with us. Amen.